Lord, in Psalm 40, you did not hold back in the great congregation to declare your righteousness. Please, yes, Lord, your spirit is here in us, dwelling in us and We have a love for righteousness in our hearts. And we worship you, Lord. For for the whole day today, that your spirit would speak and minister to us in the inner man, edify, build us up in our new man, who we are in you. For when Jesus, you died, you took away our sin and our guilt. You overcame the devil and death. And now we are in, a, in fellowship with the risen Christ, the victorious one. Over every, every demise, every tragic thing, Every pain, every fear, every bit of confusion and emptiness, you are victorious, Lord. We are in fellowship with you. We ask you to lead us today and speak to our hearts and build us up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, would you turn to Psalm, I'm sorry, Isaiah 46, just for a short word here. I love this uh, picture of uh, in Isaiah 46, verse 1. Bell bows down, Nabo stoopeth. Anybody have an idea who with those words? Who is Bell? A god, yeah, an idol, a god, uh, a pagan god. Bell bows down, Nabo stoopeth. He's another one, stoopeth. Okay. Their idols were upon the beasts, upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaden, in the King James here. Carriages were heavy loaden. They are a burden to the weary beast. Uh, so they would put the idols on carriages, wagons, and then the, the animals would pull them, and they would be a burden to the animals. They would be a burden to the animals. I have a picture here. I, uh, I don't know if I can find it, though. Is it on the... Uh... There it is. Thanks, got it. So there's a uh, picture uh, of, of, of men carrying the idols, the idols there. That was maybe Ganesh, I don't know which gods it is, the Indian Hindu gods they're carrying. So we're not making fun of it in one way. We kind of know that in the hearts of those people, there is a yearning and a desire I believe there's something in their hearts that is after God. 
but they don't know him. That's John 4.22. The woman at the well, uh, Jesus said, you worship, but you don't know what. And I feel that there is so much worship in the world. I don't, Not that I feel that, but it is true. 96% of the that this is what they say, they believe in, of people in the world, they believe in God. They believe in God. And I also believe that all religions have something in them yearning, and there's some measure of, of um, reality there. There's something there that they're looking for. Just the fact that they have that in them. And this is the story of the human race, and essentially all religion is that you carry your gods. You carry them. You serve them. You move them from one place to another. It sounds primitive, but you think about it. This is how many people think about God, that I I serve him. I serve him. I do what he wants. I, I want to uh, be loyal and dedicated to him. But there's a problem here in this picture because the gods are a burden. They are a burden to the people. It's adding something more to my life that's more difficult, that is difficult. I have to carry them. I have to carry them. Look at verse 2. They stoop, they bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. So it's a message of captivity. It's a message of a burden. It's a message of bondage. It's a, it's a message of, uh, you know, the loyalty of the human heart and the dedication of the human heart. The problem is the end game is not good. The end game is like, where's my liberty? Where's my freedom? Where's my holiness? Where's my, my deliverance? That, that these gods cannot do that. Verse uh, 3, God is speaking. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob. And all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. Even to your old age, I am he. And even to whore hairs, that means gray hair, will I carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. Now, the language is important here. It says in verse 3, I brought you into existence. I carried you. I brought you down into Egypt. There were 70 people went down into Egypt. Out came two and a half million people. And I carried you out of Egypt. How did he carry them out? He divided the Red Sea. He brought them out of Egypt on dry ground. He fed them in the wilderness for 40 years. How did he carry them? He brought water out of a rock. 
He turned salt water into fresh water. How did he carry them? He gave them manna every day for 40 years. He carried them. And he said to Jacob, you think you did this by your own? Do you think that you were doing, that you were carrying me? Were you carrying me? Or did I carry you? Did I forgive you? Did I speak to you? Did I love you? Did I care for you? Did I protect you? Did I put a, a, a shield around you? Have I upheld you? Have I forgiven you? Have I given grace to you? I am God. I am the God that carries you. Now, when Jesus Christ comes into the world, what did we see? He didn't say, give me, give me. You wash my feet. You carry me from here to there. Yeah, he didn't do that. Obviously, of course not. What did he do? He said, I came not to be ministered to, but I came to minister. I came to love you. I came to forgive you. I came for you. I will carry you. I will wash your feet. I will die for your sins. I'll be raised from the dead for your sake. I will give you eternal life. I will do this because I am the living almighty God. Amen. Amen. Lord, you you told us we have power with you. We do. We have power with you in prayer. In that your house is called a house of prayer. That we are learning what it means that every person here, we all have this by by your grace you sent us Jesus said as the father has sent me so I send you we've been sent it's not an accident we're alive not an accident we're in this house that we are indwelled by your great great love the great love that carries us uses us thank you Yes, Lord. For all of our brothers and sisters serving in the area, Fed Hill, Havity Grace, Silver Spring, Edgewood, Glen Burnie, Owings Mills, Lord, and beyond, Las Vegas, Houston, Miami, Greenfield, Chicago, Nashville, Upstate New York, Montreal, Toronto. We are a family. And around the world, Mexico, the islands, Latin America, 300 churches in Africa, a couple hundred in India, the work in China, Siberia, Europe, Lord, for our brothers and sisters in the faith. Encourage them. And then outside of our particular 
affiliation, all the Baptists and Pentecostals and Presbyterians and all the servants were unworthy to wash their feet. They are precious gifts to the body. Thank you for them. Bless them. Bless them in our country, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me for one moment? Please just stand up and turn around and say hello to your neighbor. Pour a little love on them. All right, you may be seated. Turn with me to uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Two weeks ago on a Sunday night, we preached a message on this text, Matthew 6, 6, and it really resonated with us. We kind of felt... Uh, the Holy Spirit really was speaking to us about prayer. And, and I was very refreshed in it myself. And, and I just want to touch part of that and then go on to the second part. And this is, um, that the reality is that Christ knew what prayer is. That Christ knew the power and the the reality of what it is. And he was giving it to us that he wanted us to know that this is a great privilege that we have power or authority with God. And and so he teaches it here, verse um, uh, 5, when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites are, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. This is a first very interesting, very good part. Here I am, and I wonder if I can get this working here. I don't know why that's not working. Okay. Oh, it's on the eraser. Okay, we're good now, I think. All right, here I am. And... And uh, we are uh, people that like to be with other people, okay? Here we are. And what's the prayer in this person's mind is not to be alone. Their prayer is an exhibition, a demonstration. Didn't I pray well? Did I pray well? Or what, uh, what you saw, wasn't that a good prayer? Or... Did I pray well, or do am I behaving correctly? Am I saying the right words? And so on. This is what he's saying in verse 5. This is how they, they do it. That they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Isn't that, isn't that um, you know, profound? They have what they, they have their reward. They're noticed. That's their reward. That's what they get. Verse 6, but you, 
when you pray, enter into your closet. So we have the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they are God, and they are in fellowship with each other. Are any of them lonely? Is there any hypocrisy amongst them? Are they, are they exhibiting something uh, for their own ego? No, they are, they are pure. They are clean. They are a person. Each person is God. There's one God. That's a mystery. But we have three persons because we have love. When you have love, you have to have more than the lover. Who does the lover love but the beloved? So the father has always loved the son, and the son always the father. And the father has that in the administration of the Trinity, he is like the leader he is the father and the son he is subject to the father. And that's their fellowship. And it's fully satisfying because it is God's reality, obviously. When you enter into this fellowship, then you are not alone. You are in the presence of God. And God ministers to us. He carries us. As we said, he speaks to us, he comforts us, he listens to us, he pays attention to us. He indwells us. We are in communion with him. This is called in the spirit. You are in the spirit or you are walking in the spirit. You are praying in the spirit. You are in the spirit of God. But, but, however, we have the flesh. And the flesh is the other way. The flesh is, is the sin nature of man. And this is where I, I need attention. I need, uh, to see somebody. I need my, my, I need notice. Um, if you looked at Job 29 and you counted, this is a maybe new text for you to look at. I'll just point it out to you. Job chapter 29. And we'll get to the point here in a minute. Look at Job 29. And this is when Job is rehearsing in his mind, all the the uh, victories he's had, and the the spiritual authority that he's had, all of the the recognition he's had from people, all the successes he's had in his life, it, it, and you could, if you read the chapter, maybe this would be a good Sunday afternoon reading for you and make some notes in your Bible. I don't know how you read your Bible, but I like my my electric Bible my, my on my phone. It, that's useful, but I like to write in my, my paper, the paper, and, and one little exercise you could do is, is just notice how many times the word I is mentioned. Verse 2, I... Verse 3, I walked through darkness. Verse 4, I was in the days of my youth. Verse 6, when I washed my steps, when I went out of the gate. Verse 7, 
then another word, although you, you, you can read, he's talking about himself constantly. It's all about him. And then the other word is me or my, verse uh, 19, my root, my glory, unto me men gave ear. After my words they spake not again, and my speech dropped upon them, in verse 22. They waited for me, and so on. So this is interesting. It, it, it has the same principle of Romans 7 when we read about, about I. I. Now, in prayer, and I, I've got two parts to the message. One is, what is prayer? And then secondly, why my prayers are not answered. What is prayer? And then three reasons why my prayers are not answered. So first one is this one. What is prayer? Up on the screen. It's you and I coming before God in the spirit and having fellowship with God in the inner chamber. Matthew 6, 6. But thou, when you pray, enter into your house, closet, enter into your into your closet, and when you have shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And your Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. You'll be rewarded. You have answers. You have the Spirit of God upon you, uh, the Spirit of God in you, the Spirit of God speaking to you, the Spirit of God ministering to you and me. So you are not alone. So this is the problem with our flesh. With our flesh, we have a problem with a number of, a number of things. Let's make, make a note here. Turn to James 3. Uh, I'm sorry, James chapter 4 with me. <clears throat> Verse um, 1, 2, 3. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Do you have any of that in your family, wars and fightings among you? Do you have any of that in your friendships or your church or at work? Do you have fightings, wars and fightings among you? Yes, I do. And they deserve that. Yeah, and there'll be more of it too. Okay. What, is, what happens to us? What happens to us in our flesh? We are very sensitive often because our flesh is sensitive. This is this flesh life is you've got to learn what it is. Yeah, you and I have to learn because when you have a prayer life, this is a, this is one of the things that happens. You you come before God at the door so to speak, at the door, at the entrance, uh, how does it go? Enter his courts with praise, gates with thanksgiving. Not fight, 
in me. I'm fighting. I'm angry. You know where it says God is slow to anger? It's another study. But you have God is slow to anger. Have you thought about what that means? And the flesh is, is quick to anger. They carry it in, in their high, not, not like far away from them. Like it should be, my anger is parked in Kalamazoo. Where's that, Michigan? My anger is over there. So when I get angry, I have to go over there and get it and bring it back. And it takes me a week. It takes me time to get angry. I ha- I, they, people go to work with anger in their throat. And the minute something is said, they just go off. They, they don't have what this James 4 is saying. It's, it's in a creative way the Spirit is saying to us that our wars and fightings are coming from us. Verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? So, when we enter into the closet to pray, we are actually coming into something that we hardly understand. And it's, in a word, I think it's a good word, it's weight on God. And know he is God. Be still. Know he is God. 46.10. Be still and know he is God. And just learn that. What is he saying? Not what you are saying. What is he saying? Not what's in your heart. What's in his heart? Not your frustration and your anger. But what's in his heart? What he is love in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are wise. They're very wise. They're very patient. They're very kind. And you've been invited in to that fellowship and you don't feel loneliness. You don't have to go out like, every, you know, notice me, notice me. I'm going to pray now or blow the trumpet. I'm going to give my tithes and offerings or, Notice me in the church, or notice me this way or that way at work, or notice me. It's like we actually are blessed by God to be spirit-filled and not focused on ourselves in prayer, before the Lord in prayer. Isn't that amazing? So we learned this. Look at chapter 4. Because I don't want to, I know this will be, I'm not rushing, but I don't want to go too long on it. But um, it, there's a lot to say here. We'll do it quickly, I think. Verse 2, you lost and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. So many people are running around trying to get and they can't get it. It. They can't get it. They they get the job, but they can't get the satisfaction. 
They get the girlfriend, but they can't get it. Like what God has. We can say it this way. You wait on God to get it. Okay. This is the big one. You get God. Okay. His purpose and stuff. So we, we go to get what we think we are looking for. But you can't, you can't find it. Actually, you can't actually get it. You can get the small it, but you can't get God. Look at verse 2. You lost and you don't have. Why? I got all the money. I wanted it. I got it. Yeah, after you got it, what do you got? I, I need more. After you got the girlfriend and then one year later, uh, she's gone, what do you got? I got it. I had it. I had. But it's gone. This is the meaning of verse 2. It says, you, you cannot obtain it. You cannot. You fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask not, because you don't have a prayer life. You will desire, and but you cannot get. Like the Pharisees, the hypocrites, they're saying the prayer, and okay, you got your reward, but you don't have it. You got your reward, but you don't have God. And because you have God, you just start, you, because you don't have God, you're just going through the religion. But you know in your heart, you're not satisfied. You cannot obtain. You cannot get it. You don't have it. I am afraid that people could be in our ministry, Greater Grace Church, and actually love it, benefit a lot, and be very happy and blessed in many ways. But then there's that gnawing, that thing that's missing, that thing that nobody can give you. Not a good church cannot give it to you. Not good people can give it to you. Not a good job. Not a good marriage can give it to you. You can't get it because it can only come from God. And it's him, actually. He is the one you're looking for. And we are, we are a vehicle or a tool that God uses to say, hey, it's real. God is real. Find him. Know him. Humble yourself. Come before him. Trust him. You will find him. Because Jesus said that, didn't he? He said, go into the closet. Nobody's there except God. And you shut the door on the world. And you say, I don't need you. And I don't need my flesh to disturb me. I'm coming before God, and I'm waiting on God. And that's, my, that's our new life. And, you find, and then it says, and your Father will openly reward you. Now comes the public part. Openly rewarding you means that now you live the life. And they say, how do you live that life? You go, I, got, I have a secret. I, I, I fellowship with God. I got the life. I'm actually living with Jesus, and it's amazing. I actually have that. He's rewarding you openly. Because there is something transparent and something radiant about it. There's something real about it. 
though we are imperfect people, but still people could pick up on it and say, what do you have? And we would say that, that you know, Jesus came to give us a new life. And he did. All right, now part two, three reasons why prayers are not answered. So turn with me to uh, um, Mark 11. In verse 24 to 26, the the fig tree uh, withered. They were amazed. He cursed the fig tree. And Jesus uses this to teach about prayer. Verse 24, Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And and I think prayers that are prayed years ago may be answered today. I actually have prayed that way in principle. I go, right, right now it's uh, November. I could say, Lord, bless us in February. Bless us this coming spring. Bless us five years from now. In Jesus' name, right? Because you can ask those things. Because God is in that. God is love. God, God is the God of our future. God is the one that cares about the people we care about. And we ask and receive it. So verse 25 says something Pretty profound here. It says, when you stand praying, forgive. And this is a big issue. Because I'm going to the closet, and I'm going to shut the door, and I have to have forgiveness. And I mean, that has to be in my heart. I have to forgive. I'd want to drag stuff into the closet that doesn't belong there. That's in, that's in my heart, in my flesh. So I, I want, when we come before God, we have to forgive. And I think that's a problem many times for all of us. And in a family, by the way, that's where we get the closest to people. There's a lot of reason for us to get into a fight or for us to disagree or for us to have an attitude or say something wrong or say something unkind and offend each other. So a family has to be packed with forgiveness. Really, a family has to be loaded with that. And a church has to be loaded with forgiveness. And a Christian needs to be loaded with forgiveness. It has to be our, our mindset, it has to be our way of thinking, because that's who God is. This is what Jesus is saying. Let's look at it. He says, if you forgive, and when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that your heavenly Father, that your Father also which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Now, he has forgiven us past, present, and future sins for our justification. 
so we're saved. I, I, I think uh, that, that there's, there's theology that stumbles over this. But if you understand salvation, you, you know that he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about everyday life where I get, I get upset about something and I cannot forgive and I'm not forgiven. So then do I lose my salvation? My Father, Heavenly Father will not forgive me. It means that in my experience, my Heavenly Father is not giving me the fellowship. He is, he is holding me to that. He's saying, okay, you are not forgiving. I forgave you of all your sin. You're not forgiving your mother or your brother or your friend. And so I'm going to hold you to that. You're unforgiving? Okay, then live in that unforgiveness. And I, I, will, I will not uh, release you from it. In Matthew 18, I, I put you in prison until you pay for your sin. And if you and I have to pay for our sin, I'm not going to let you out until you pay the uttermost farthing, the last penny. Then I, then I will let you out of your psychological, spiritual prison. So there are people walking around angry as anything, unhappy Christians, unforgiving, bitter, revengeful, angry people. They do not have a prayer life. They do not bring that to God. They do not have that in their heart. They do not have a prayer life. They can say prayers all day long, but God is not listening. He does not hear them. Look at Psalm 66, 18. Wouldn't it be amazing if God wouldn't hear my prayers? Your heaven is like uh, iron. Your earth is like brass. Iron. Heaven, boing, boing, it returns into my bosom. My prayer goes out and it doesn't go like seven inches above my head and returns right back to my bosom. God does not hear me. Why? Because I have not forgiven. Verse 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. How about this one? Proverbs 1. Forgive me, I'm going a little bit longer than I maybe, but you, you're, you're good at forgiveness, so. so we're doing it. Proverbs 1, listen to this. Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand, verse 24. Proverbs 1, 24. I've stretched out my hand, no man regarded, but you've said it nothing, all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes. When your fear comes as desolation, your destruction comes as a whirlwind. When you distress and anguish, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. Verse 28. They will call upon me, but I will not answer them. What a horrible thought. You have some man lives like hell, and um, and he he wants God's help, like the thief on the cross. This is a very good point. Two thieves on three three crosses, thief, thief, Jesus. 
with the ones that save us, like the thief says, if you are the Christ, save us, save you and yourself. And I didn't, Jesus didn't say this, but I'm going to put it in there. And Jesus would say, why would I save you? So you can continue to be a thief? Is that why you want me to save you? So you can continue in your drug addiction, in your fornication? You can continue as a thief? Is that why you want me to save you? So you can continue to live like hell? God will say, I will not hear you. When you refuse, I reach out, I reach out, I reach out, and you refuse, then I will not hear you when you call out to me. Now, that being said, what about the other thief? He just said, he, he was humble. He said, Lord. He said to the other thief, he said, we deserve to be here. He doesn't deserve to be here. We deserve, by the way, he didn't use his finger like I am because it was <laughs> nailed to the cross. Yeah. Hey, you. Yeah, it takes his hand off for a second. Hey, you. We, we deserve to be here. He doesn't deserve. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me. He didn't say save me. He said, just remember me when you enter my kingdom. What he, you understand the spirit of the two, the difference? Okay. How, why are my prayers not answered? Because I regard iniquity in my heart. Number one, because I will not forgive. I will not forgive, so God will not hear. He will not answer me. Number two, I regard iniquity in my heart. And then the number three is Matthew five twenty-three and 24. <clears throat> and we'll finish with this. <clears throat> Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, Leave there thy gift before. In this case, I don't have something against my brother. He has something against me. Now, if that was the case, I'd be running around the whole planet asking for people to, to try to, because I'm sure there's a lot of people who have something against me that I don't know about, that I am not aware of. In I, I don't know of anybody in, in that sense, I don't know. But I am sure there are people that have things against me. That, again, I don't know what, but, but the point is, I don't want this to be when you know there's something, that there's something not exactly clean and right, then leave your gift at the altar and go and get right. What's the meaning the Lord is searching our fleshly hearts, isn't he? Isn't he saying, if you really want a prayer life, you have, here you are, and here's the Trinity, right? Here's God, and he's saying, I want fellowship. I gave you the fellowship. I gave you the Holy Spirit that, that is in your heart. Now, come before me in faith. But I would like to, but, but I warn you, because you have your flesh, there's going to be things you wrestle with that will stop you from praying. 
There will be things that disturb you deep in your soul. There will be a feeling of loneliness, perhaps, that will stop you. And you'll say, I don't get anything out of prayer. There will be maybe some sense of getting uh, any number of, of feelings and, and uh, confusion and uh, a sense of uh, struggling in my flesh. And, uh, and, and I'm only saying, I hope that this gets it clear to you just now, that you and I, really, really, we have power with God. We really have. Things can be answered, problems solved, relationships healed, really, answers you know, salvations. We're very much caring about people finding Christ. And this church is a praying church. And we're getting it. We're getting answers. And we're looking for, you know, the Lord to do this. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are filled with distractions in life, but the distractions just lead us to more running around. And you could teach us to quiet ourselves and be in your presence and respond to you. Mix faith with the words we read in our prayer closet in our worship. And then when we come out, we know the Lord is rewarding us and answering us. We do know that. Thank you. Pray for more people to come through these doors who are seeking a deeper life, a satisfying life, a full life. They will find you, know you. Jesus, thank you. In your name. And anyone hearing me and you've not yet accepted Christ and believed in him, even maybe you have, but have you put your trust in him? Put all your trust in him. And he will fill you and satisfy you. In Jesus' name. Amen.